I yelled for help, but no one came to my rescue. I remember that they tore my clothes and beat me so much. This is She Thrives, a safety in the workplace podcast brought to you by African Women on Board, AWB. The podcast is an important part of AWB's Violence Against Women in the Workplace Initiative and is funded in part by Ford Foundation. My name is Omoye Uzamere and I am your host. On today's episode, our first guest is a female taxi driver based in Lagos, Nigeria. Her identity is withheld for anonymity. This is my story. With the way things have been going and the fact that I lost my job, I have had to find other ways of making money. So I have been using my car as a taxi for about six months. So I guess it is quite rare in Lagos to find a female taxi driver. So I usually get some compliments that are good. Ah ah, sister, not only you, you are strong, oh, I want to be like you. On the other hand, I have also experienced violence while at work. I remember clearly that there was this night I was working late. I picked up this couple from a restaurant in Lagos. They first of all started to make jokes about the fact that I was a woman driving around late at night. Why are you driving around late at night? You should know better. You are a woman. Lagos is not safe. How are you managing? This is not good. I kept quiet and did not want to argue because from their conversation, I could also tell that they were intoxicated. Now, when we arrived at their destination and it was time to pay, I gave the man my account number and he claimed that he had made a bank transfer to the account, but he did not show me proof of a completed transaction. And I also did not receive any proof of an alert. I insisted that he showed me proof of the transaction. Then he started to shout, yelling at me. His wife and their security guard also began to yell and they physically attacked me. I yelled for help, but no one came to my rescue. I remember that they tore my clothes and beat me so much. I was left with so many injuries on my mouth, scratches on my face. My entire face was swollen. I don't even know how I was able to live there alive. Now even though the rider was reported and his account was suspended, nothing was really done about the assault on me. Absolutely nothing. Whoa. Well, in this instance, the violence experienced by our primary guest came in the form of verbal taunts and physical assault. That was quite the ordeal. To discuss this brave woman's experience, today we have three guests who will shed some light on the dynamics of workplace violence against women in male-dominated professions. First, we have the pleasure of welcoming Professor Bosse Afolabi, a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the College of Medicine, University of Lagos, Nigeria, as well as Dr. Moshokwe Foluwa Akeredolu. She's an orthodontist at Dolls. 247. We also have the pleasure of welcoming Francesca Uriri. She is the founder of Leading Ladies Africa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for doing this. 
Professor Afolabi, in your experience, how has this imbalance in representation contributed to the forms of workplace violence in your industry? Thank you for that question. Um, yes, there are a number of um, fields in medicine, subspecializations in medicine that are male-dominated. An example is surgery, and another example is obstetrics and gynecology, um, the field I'm in, although more women are coming into obstetrics and gynecology now, but the ratio is still between seven and eight men to two to three women um, at best. Uh, for surgery, is is like uh, <laughs> 9.5 to 0.5. I mean, there are very few uh, female surgeons. Um, for yeah, for most main surgical um, specialties. Um, now, the the question is, how does it contribute? Well, when you have a specialty or an area where most of the bosses and most of you know even the other um, junior people within the specialty are male. Then when a woman comes in, she's seen as um, different, she's seen as a target. And um, sometimes a lot of things that um, are, the men can get away with, um, she can't. Um, I remember specifically in such fields too, generally um, when, when you have a female residents training to become consultant. So for example, in obstetrics and gynecology, when you're training to become a, a specialist, you would do some uh, six months in surgery. And I've had a number of stories of some of my resident doctors coming back to say, you know, how they were either verbally um, sexually harassed, or sometimes in some cases, actually um, physically so. Uh, so far, luckily, no one has, you know, reported a, an actual um, rape yet. But I've had somebody tell me that somebody pulled her aside and tried to kiss her, and this is somebody in their, in her field, in in as a boss there. Um, I've also had some of my own house officers or residents complaining about some colleagues saying, you know, speaking inappropriately to them, you know, slapping their backsides and so on. Now, these things are generally common in a patriarchal society such as ours. But when you see female professionals that are medical, you tend to think, oh, they, they can't get any of these things, you know, you, you know, they can't really be suffering from stuff like this, but it's not necessarily the case. Um, so it does happen, and I think it's mainly because uh, the, the fields are so full of um, the uh, male gender that they don't tend to see women as um, uh, belonging there for one. And also, even if they, they are accepted there, they still have to be put in their place, in quotes, as women, as opposed to being, you know, um, colleagues. Yeah. So that, those are some of the, the problems in, in such fields. Yes. So, um, Dr. Akeridulu, I'd like to ask you this question. What is the cause of the misconception that uh, workplace violence mostly affects women in non-professional settings, you know, they, we know that that exists. And what do you think the reason is? Is it because some of these other professions, especially like yours, medicine, are regarded as more intellectually elevated? Okay, I, it also um, occurs in um, fields like ours, medicine, because um, we all live in the in this patriarchal society where men are still men, whether or not they're yes, there's some level of education to them but they're still men and we still live in the Nigerian society 
So some of these values are still um, reflected on them, whether or not they're professionals. Okay, yes. Now, my first question to you, Francesca, is what do you think the main factor is that drives the constant occurrence of violence against women in male-dominated professions? Thanks for that question. I think that I was going to say like it's quite simple, but it actually isn't simple. It's actually quite complex. I think that the main reason for um, violence against women, um, violence against women and then violence against women, especially in male-dominated um, professions is simply yes. culture. There is a culture that allows for that. Um, so some societies have a higher or lower tolerance for it, but there's an established culture. In, and when I say culture, I, I, I don't mean people wearing, um, you know, painting themselves with ethnic paint or, or all of that. I mean the prevailing circumstances in a society. How does a society react to certain things? And, and if we, you know, if I use an example for where we're from in Nigeria, you see that there's a higher tolerance for violence against women. And this is, this is sort of extrapolated across the board. So you go to the market, somebody's tugging at your hair, um, you know, you're in traffic, somebody says, I get your type for house. Um, and it's just this relentless culture of subjugation and abuse and violence that is spread across the board. So in responding to your question, there is a culture that allows it, there's a society that allows it if if it if it wasn't so abhorrent to the society then it wouldn't be happening with such frequency and with such flagrant disregard for you know it's like who's going to catch me like nothing mm -hmm. is going to happen so i think that we have a culture and a society that enable that violence to thrive so professor as a professor of obstetrics and gynecology and as a practicing doctor you must have had first-hand experiences, you know, not just from working with patients who themselves have experienced violence, but also in your career as a senior professional in a male-dominated environment. How would you address that misconception and what measures would you recommend? So it, it's an interesting um, question because one of the issues is that on the one hand, um, I know that I've been quite fortunate um, in, uh, in not having actually had physical assault. Um, and I also know that a lot of people who are non-professional do get a lot more um, uh, assault and violence issues, both verbal and physical. And I don't want to uh, make light of their own because they often can't um, resort to legal measures or can't speak. You know, people tend to look down on them more and not take their words seriously. You know, so I don't want to downplay that at all. However, as a professional who is, um, you know, senior and who uh, you would expect that, you know, I, I, I shouldn't have any issues. I have had issues um, as, as a, even as when I was as, high as being an associate professor of OBS and Gaini before I became a full, full professor. I did have um, issues myself where a senior colleague bullied the life out of me. I mean, I, 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 was, I used to tell people then that 
I, I, I wasn't bullied <laughs> in, in secondary school or in university. I wasn't bullied as a junior consultant. I, it was when I became an associate professor and I had the biggest, you know, bullying of my life. And this guy made my life wow. hell. You know, he was constantly, I would, I would go to, I would be afraid to go to work. You know, he would say things, disparaging things about me during meetings. He would, you know, try and get me to do things that even my own senior residents who hadn't become consultants, you know, I wouldn't ask them to do. It was for the many years that he was heading my, you know, department. It was really, really awful. And I used to, I, I really dreaded work. And, wow. you know, even though this man generally was an equal opportunities bully in that he did bully some, I mean, he, did, he was um, uh, controversial with some men as well. With, with me as a female, it was a lot more. And also he, he said things to people like, uh, the reason he's doing that he, he's, he's um, picking on me so much is because I don't respect him and I don't, have, I don't bow down to any man. You know, and I thought, what does that have to do with anything? We're in the workplace, for goodness sake, you know. Sometimes some, some other things that used to happen in, you know, with other people were things like maybe you'll be in a meeting and you'll be the woman that is asked, you a female that will be asked to go and serve, you know. Uh, this is work. They would ask, they would say that the female should serve, you know, the, the meeting. And you are a colleague as well. I remember once, um, quite a number of years back now, when um, one of my senior colleagues from another institution came around for a general meeting that we had, and he asked me to please go and get him some food from somewhere. And I'm thinking, you know, I mean, it's not severe violence as it were, but it is, it is something, it is discrimination. And I think to myself, I, I just gave him the eye. I think he learned, he realized that he shouldn't be asking me for that kind of thing. And he decided to, you know, ask somebody else. So those are some of the, um, we say they're minor, but they are demeaning. They make you feel um, yes. disrespected. But the one of the bullying, it does happen to, to um, people a lot. And it happened to me as recently as five years ago. Thank you very much, Francesca. Do you believe that the events in the story would have gone differently if this driver were not female? I mean, it was late, it was dark, and the driver was alone. A hundred and ten percent. Like, if there was a billion percent, I would say that. Again, um, a woman who is, first of all, doing something that is not common for women to do. So, so again, the way that people react to that is not even actually healthy curiosity is healthy disdain, which again is rooted in the way that a society treats um, women. And then the second part is, Oh, she's a woman. She's alone. So let's take advantage of the fact that she's a woman. And, and, and again, to my earlier point, there's just, we haven't seen like enough um, repercussions or enough um, effects, you know, of, of, nobody's punished really um, for, for all of these things. And so it continues to grow. So yes, I totally agree that it happened to her um, because she, she, she's, a, she's a woman. There's no doubt in my mind yes. that that's, yeah. So what steps can be taken to curb these incidents? In some places, um, human resources, it should, is not, is not um, a developed enough uh, institution or a department in a lot of institutions. So, for example, even in my institution that is a, a big university, 
um, you, there isn't that avenue to go and complain about that sort of thing. When it comes to um, violence against women, like sexual violence, there's, I mean, you know, the University of Lagos has brought out a major um, document now, which is a, 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 a very positive thing, move, because then you can go and talk to, you know, there are avenues to report. We look at it very seriously. And, um, you know, Unilag really frowns against um, harassment of students and staff, you know, in any way, and there are definitive policies and documents against this. But the softer things, you know, the, the bullying, the, the mild, you know, sexual harassment that is difficult to prove, those ones are not really seen, taken seriously. So I think one of the best, biggest ways is to put out policies about such things in our institutions and also make your human resources aware and open to it that these things are not on and they should, you know, they should not be allowed to happen. Thank you. Francesca, would you like to speak to coming from your experience in the premier cab hailing service in Nigeria? What do you think that ride sharing company should have done to protect this driver and to seek justice on her behalf? Yeah, so um, that's a bit of a tricky question because um, so the first thing that, I, you know, I, I think and because I, I kind of like was an insider, I sort of understand how it works. The first thing is drivers are not, so they're really called driver partners. So they're not um, employees or staff of the ride hailing companies. So with that being said, there isn't a lot of, what is the word that I'm looking for? There isn't a lot of, again, like this person is a responsibility towards. Yeah. Uh, this was an independent contractor. That being said, there are a lot of um, features or, you know, um, and, and again, I speak only for what I know and, and the brand that I, I work with. There's some features on the app. So kind of like SOS. So for example, there's a, there's a feature called SOS. So if you're in danger, you, you know, you, you, you activate that. And yeah. within, I think three to five minutes, you, you know, you get some sort of um, security response. Um, there's also like insurance, right? So, you know, if for example, your car is broken or you are attacked, you know, you need to go to the hospital or things like that. There's insurance that covers that. But beyond that, and then there's, there's of course, um, um, security uh, pr um, provision. So it's like, you know, you want to go to the police station, you're going to be assisted, you know, to do that, to file the report, you know, and, and help with law enforcement. But beyond that, beyond those like very specific things, there's really not a lot that the ride hailing company um, is culpable or, or is really responsible for at, at that time to be able to do. Yeah. And I think that I'll just chime in here quickly that a lot of that also points. So again, I think that sometimes, and of course it's a very sensitive topic. So it's like, okay, this person is driving on your platform. You should provide um, this, that, and the other. But like you cannot... Um, a ride hailing service cannot provide what the government should mm. be providing. Mm. You know, a ride hailing combination is not going to provide policies that support women, you know, things like that. So it's actually deeper issues. Mm. Um, and I think that sometimes, again, because it's such a highly emotional and, and, you know, sensitive topic, it's kind of like, oh, the ride hailing people aren't doing anything. But if you, if you operate in a country where, there are no policies, there, there are no set rules and regulations to how to tackle these things, then it's kind of like, are, are those ride-hailing companies now going to become a government or an authority to themselves? 
It's it's interesting to note that regardless of one's profession, you know, these things happen. And um, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing, you know, for taking time of your busy schedules to share your insights with us, for speaking with us. Thank you so much. I'd like to ask for a 30-second parting word to the listeners. Um, maybe I'll start. <laughs> That's fine. Um, Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. So my parting words are that, you know, it's going to take a long time to shift things in a patriarchal society. It's important to get men on board to see that, you know, what the issues are so that they can understand. It's a bit difficult for them, but one needs to put it to them and let them realize that it's not about, one is not fighting them. One is actually trying to fight a system so that things can be more equitable for both men and women. And also to let people realize that patriarchy, you know, overarches everything. So men and women are equally culpable when it comes to that. Some people say, I should be that as a woman, see what she's doing. But we are all under the same system. So a lot of women don't even understand either that they should have certain, you know, rights. So there's a lot of training that needs to go on and men should just be put on, carried along and to be made to realize that, you know, it's not about them. It's about just making things, you know, easier for, for women. That's, those are my parting words. Thank you so much, ma'am. Dr. Kerry Delu. Okay. Um, I feel um, there has to be a lot more women empowerment out there. Uh, I think it also needs to be ingrained in women, especially in Nigeria, that we are equal. We're as equal as the men are. I think so there has to be a lot of seminars, a lot of teachings. It needs to get into each and every one of us. And um, yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. Um, so I would just say that um, we all need to reorientate ourselves. Every day is a learning process. Every day is a day of learning, relearning, and unlearning um, things that we've grown up with, things that we were raised with. Um, I think that violence against women is absolutely abhorrent. Um, we should see the end of it. We should be working to eliminate it. But it's not just something that only women should do. The men also have to be deeply involved and deeply committed um, to, to eradicating it. So I, I, I truly hope, you know, that this is a call um, and that people understand. And it's not only like physical violence. There's also like there's emotional violence. There's financial violence. There's social, cultural violence. We really need to eradicate every form of violence um, against women. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. This has been a great conversation. African Women on Board remains passionate about amplifying African female voices, supporting African female empowerment, and helping to create a world in which African women and girls are given the tools and resources they need to fully realize their potential. If you'd like to collaborate or share your stories, please send an email to awb at africanwomenonboard.org. For more information, please visit our website on www.africanwomenonboard.org. You can also connect with us on social media, Instagram at awb.network, Twitter at awbafrica, LinkedIn at African Women On Board, Facebook African Women On Board. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely day.